G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to talk about what it is to reset when things go wrong. It's not unusual that we might all experience some big challenges in our lives. Sometimes it's because we've faced a personal tragedy or Maybe it's because we've lost a loved one or our career has taken a turn in a direction we never expected. Maybe it's a business deal gone bad or a relationship that's soured, a bad health diagnosis or a dream that's been shattered by forces beyond our control. Well, sometimes you might feel like giving up. A look today at the idea of hitting the reset button on our lives or elements of our lives that feel like they are shipwrecked on the rocks. When things seem so far off track, what are the things we need to do to restart or to recover? Well, one name that might be familiar to long-time Vision listeners joining us today to talk about a new initiative that inspires people like you and I to reset our lives. Andrew Pitchford is a growth advisor to business and a digital storyteller. He's director of client engagement and digital strategist at Excite Media, and his new project is called Reset 42. Andrew Pitchford, a special welcome along to 2020. Neil, thank you very much. It's good to be what feels like home. (laughs) It is. And let me just touch on this as we get things underway. As I said in that introduction there, some people will remember that name, and that name was the first name people were hearing whenever they heard about Vision Radio uh, back in the 1990s. Sounds like a... Another lifetime ago, but uh, but you were the spearhead that came to Australia, that got the the original uh, Vision Radio off the ground in Australia. Uh, give us a little bit of an impression as you think back on those days, because it it can seem like another lifetime away. Well, it's interesting even coming in today and actually walking the hallways and all those memories do start to flood back of what we actually started with. And it was actually March of 1998 that my wife and I came over to get involved with a team of people. Warren Rout was actually preparing the ground for what would become this National Christian Radio Network. And I was able to work alongside him in the Springwood office, uh, setting up studios in what was a three-bedroom house. And it's amazing to see what has happened over the years. And if I was reflecting on those early days, uh, there are CEOs that have their role and responsibility, and then there are those that do all the work. You're the guy who did all the work. And uh, let me just honour you for that, because uh, you were the one who really was uh, putting the skeleton together of what was to become uh, what we have today uh, in now more than 720 cities, towns and communities. What a wonderful uh, history to be part of the foundation of something that God has done in our, in our nation. It's certainly interesting to think back about what you were able to start with. We had small, scratchy budgets that we had to make the thing work. And I still remember that those first two studios were put together for about $11,000. 
a couple of, I think they might have even been the first of the Pentium PCs. There was some Sony audio equipment that was bought from the local equivalent of a Harvey Norman store, but all of that just came together. It may have been a few pieces of string and wire, but that was the beauty of radio. You could do that. Uh, That's all we needed to get started. And then as the momentum began to build and as all sorts of good things happened, you know, there were not always good times in those early years because there were financial challenges, there were personnel challenges. Uh, When we're going to be talking about hitting the the reset button today, I know that in those early years uh, you went through your own trials and the expectation that God was going to come through somewhere, but you just weren't familiar with how that was going to happen at a lot of points. I think that's the beauty of where we are today, is that uh, looking at hindsight, that 2020 vision of the past, if you like, is an incredible opportunity to be able to say, how can I reset? And yet definitely there have been relationship issues in my life that I've had to reset. There's been career moments where I've had to say, what next? And probably one of the things that has been more practical has even been finance and houses. You know, losing a house, losing that uh, foundation stone that every Aussie thinks is the ideal um, success component, if you like, and being able to say, can we start again? And you can. Well, let's come to this new project, which has really only just been launched and an opportunity for people who are listening to our conversation today uh, to connect with some amazing stories of what it is to reset. Now, we've got to start this conversation by explaining what Reset 42 means, because this is a little bit uh, ambiguous for some. Reset 42, that's the name of your new project. You better give us some idea of what the significance of the 42 is all about. Well, there's two reasons behind it, Neil. We want it to be memorable. So if Reset 42 is something that starts to lodge in the brain after this interview, we've done a good job. But the reality is it had a little bit of cryptic aspect to it as well. Those that know me know that I love science fiction. And there's a book that was written by a gentleman called Douglas Adams out of the UK called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this very kind of unusual English humor sci-fi novel has a component near the end where they're trying to discover what is the meaning of life? And what they're able to do is that they actually load this incredible computer with all the information of the universe. And 200 years later, after spinning its wheels and getting all of its um, computer diodes working left, right and centre, it spits out the answer. The meaning of life is 42. 42 is the meaning of life, according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Of course, now we might align some of this meaning of life to those things that God has given to us as a purpose. But 42 is a great way to talk about how you can actually put some legs on this idea of resetting, because the reset means a discovery of meaning, a discovery of purpose. And I guess that's part of the ingredients of what it takes to get back on your feet when you have suffered some sort of tragedy or you've been waylaid in some ways from the, th- the things that you had always aspired to. And I guess that uh, that 42 has that, that sort of meaning to it. Yeah, and I'd like to pick up on something that you said there about discovering meaning. I think for some of us it's actually revisiting meaning. We had it and we've lost it. And one of the things that um, actually has spurred on this whole idea of Reset 42 is that I actually want to write a book about how do you reset. 
And so in Easter this year, my wife and I went away for nine days to plan the content of writing this book. And it was actually out of that Easter um, sabbatical, if you will, that time out, that we discovered that we actually needed more information. We needed to have more stories of real life, of what people had been through. And the idea of the podcast was born. But also out of that, we discovered that there were probably six different triggers that people can identify that really show that they need a reset. Now, it's interesting that out of those six triggers, three of them are things that we are probably very aware of, things in our life that are confronting us that we need to deal with. But the other three are things that are in the background that we're unaware of. We can't put our finger on it. And they're probably just as important in being able to recognize when we need a reset. So we're conscious of some things, and there are some things that we're uh, not conscious of. And is that probably because uh, somehow or other we've just not been alerted to those things? We've not come into contact with those things. And I suspect uh, when God is in the picture, that's why we actually carry this message of the gospel, because people haven't been exposed uh, to the purposes of God. And so there's this idea that there are th- some things we don't know. So the things that we don't know, this is the sort of things you hope that people will pick up on when they hear the stories that you'll be telling in your podcast. Well, it's interesting. I've just been listening to a sermon about wilderness experiences for people. And I think these things that we're unaware are very much the equivalent of us going into a wilderness period, but not knowing when we're going to come out the other side and what we're learning. And God wants to develop character in us through those times. So if I was to look at those times that we're unaware, we've got these little catchphrases, but the six things that are triggers are things that have shifted, things that are shelved, things that are stalled, things that we're aware of are things where we're stumped, things are stolen from us, or things that we do which are stupid. Now, in the unaware area, shifted priorities, that's just where life has gradually gone off track and we didn't even recognize that we were drifting away. So you can understand that's an area where it's only later that you realize how far away from your original direction you are. Shelved plans, that's another unique one because often life happens and we had dreams and we had visions, but for very good reason, we put them on the shelf to deal with another day. The trouble is they gather dust and we've forgotten about them, so they're out of sight, out of mind, and we need to come back to them. And then finally, stalled, stalled momentum. And that's the one that I think a busy culture is more identifying with more than anything. We're just running out of puff, running out of time. So things are just stalling with a lack of energy. So if we want to navigate the way forward, or if you want to be even a participant in a life that is flourishing, uh, if you want to have the abundant life that we often talk about as a Christian believer, there are some ingredients that are necessary for us to appreciate and understand and even apply to our own lives so that we can actually get some new momentum to move forward. So uh, it's an important element, isn't it, navigation? Yes, certainly I think the being able to pause life in order to actually get your bearings is so important. But if you think about the common advice that we get when we face any form of hardship, or even if it's just, I'm stuck Mostly it's push through, keep working, go harder, go faster. Actually, sometimes it isn't. We should be able to reset by actually taking the time to bring things almost to a halt in order to reposition and move on. Interesting to pick up on what you share about you and your wife having a little bit of time out and you're going to discuss the contents that you're going to have in a book that you're going to write about resetting. And you called it a sabbatical. 
And a lot of people will be familiar with that idea of a sabbatical and some people in their career choice and in the position that they hold, uh, these things are a natural part of that. Sometimes academics have this sort of a sabbatical. It's like a whole year off and go and refresh and uh, get their studies up to date. Uh, not all of us have that opportunity to do that, but I guess a sabbatical doesn't have to be a year off, but you could take a week off or two weeks off. And this idea of slowing down and uh, giving opportunity for your refreshing to bring some new ideas. Uh, that's what happens in this idea of having a sabbatical. I think one of the most important ingredients we can take from a sabbatical is not that you take one, not how long it is, but what you do with it. You know, if we simply take a week off and do everything that we were doing in the previous week, so if we're watching Netflix and we're doing all sorts of things in our normal week and we take a week off to do more watching Netflix, really we haven't got the benefits of a sabbatical. And one of the things that I found in taking those nine days off at Easter was actually that I had to do the preparation of what I wanted to do during that time. I had uh, videos that I wanted to watch. I had a course that I wanted to do. I had fresh notebooks ready to be written in. So there was a preparation and expectation of what I could do during that time. Good timing to be talking about this today because we're almost up to Christmas. And Christmas is going to be a holiday for most. And it's a time when you, you know, throw off the shackles, uh, you get away from your work, uh, you go to the beach or the mountains or you go and do things with your family. Uh, you do things to get away and refresh. And more people will have uh, more than just a week off. Uh, I wonder whether you've got some thoughts about how you might better use your Christmas New Year break uh, to maybe even take some time, as you say, make a plan uh, for actually hitting the reset button just to get things back on track for a new year that's coming. Well, coming back to one of those six triggers, I think this is probably a really good time to be revisiting the shelved opportunities. So, did we put something on the shelf earlier in the year? Did we put something on the shelf five years ago, ten years ago? And really, we've just recognized that life has moved. The children are now at school and taking care of themselves, and actually, we're not having to take care of them as much. And so I have an opportunity to revisit some of my own dreams. Now is the time to be able to say, can I take that idea off the shelf, revisit it, and then say, what will I need in order to prepare myself to actually engage with it? Do I need to do a course do I need to simply take time out for myself to actually write the vision down? There's a good verse out of Habakkuk for us. So just a great idea is basically to say, what am I going to do with the time? What is the purpose? Andrew, for people who can't take a week, uh, what about a weekend? Or can you do this in a one-day activity? You can say, oh, I've got a Saturday spare. Uh, is it possible, as you say, um, the time might not be as uh, important as what you do with the time. So uh, can you can you condense that down into a, a single day's activity or is that just not long enough to, to have things bubble along and to get that freshness? Well, if I can talk very briefly about one picture that I think we all can understand when it comes to a reset, and that's something that's in the hot little hands of most people today, it's a smartphone. And, you know, when your smartphone starts to really struggle and it seems to be going slower and slower or one particular app is going slower, the beauty of these phones is that you can actually wipe the memory or reset them, not lose all of the core, not lose the app itself, and you can start again. And that fresh space seems to give you the speed and the energy. So one of the things I'd really encourage people to start thinking about is, what can I get rid of in order to give me the space to deal with this? Now, funnily enough, 
My wife and I have actually made a decision for 2020 because we've got a number of projects, including Reset 42, that we're actually pulling back from a number of areas where we do little things once a month or once every two months. But when you look at those over the whole year, they actually contribute to taking up a lot of our time. So for one year, we're actually pulling back from all of those little things in order to give ourselves the space to focus on this project. Well, you might like to contribute to our conversation today. And we're talking about resetting, uh, resetting what's happened in our own lives. And uh, as Andrew was saying, uh, whether things have stalled, which is an important one to be talking about, but he also mentioned words like shifted or shelved, uh, or you've been stumped or things have been stolen, uh, or even those things that we did when we were stupid. Uh, Let's talk about some of those things today. You might have your own thoughts to contribute about how you reset. Is there something that you do when you know that things have spiralled out of control that you do to reset to get back on track? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, our special guest this hour is Andrew Pitchford, a growth advisor to business and a digital storyteller. And his latest project is called Reset 42. What do you do when everything seems to have gone bad? How do you get back on track? How do you recover? We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can join into our conversation. In fact, Andrew, let's take a call. Uh, First up, let's hear from Kevin in WA. Hi, Kevin. Welcome along. Oh, thank you. Yes. Kevin, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Well, it's interesting that you come up, because I only just came to the radio and heard this, but I was thinking about this the other day, that um, life for myself has been, in the last 12 months, um, probably quite difficult, um, in a sense where probably my wife and I had, well, my wife had separated, um, but now she's coming back. But the thing was, I've noticed that through our, our lives, that we have things that, happen that um, we, we lose. We, we've lost something and we're, there's been some loss, loss of time, loss of um, whatever it might have, might have been. And sometimes that you sort of think about that and you think, well, um, it's, do we get that back? How do we reset things that we can get back on track? Um, and my wife and I were talking the other day and we've decided that we're going to just chill out for a while. Just We don't have to do so much. It's not that I was trying to do so much. I'm, I'm a sort of a more of a probably an easygoing guy. I like to take it a bit slower, a bit cautious. Um, and she was saying, we were both saying to each other that we need to take it slower with each other. We need to take it slower. Just chill out a bit and just enjoy life. And um, we don't, you don't have to do everything that comes along. And I think God doesn't expect us to do it. He wants us to just to um, uh, probably just to, Maybe take it a little bit easier at times and just to, just to chill out. and to, Kevin, to... I think you are touching on something really important here. As Christian believers, oftentimes we're very much inclined to be saying yes. People will ask us to do things. I mean, you know, you just uh, think of those people that you know from church. Uh, sometimes they're busy almost every night of the week, and uh, and sometimes that leads to some level of shipwreck. And uh, but let's get some thoughts here. Andrew Pitchford, you're hearing Kevin here. This is a typical sort of a story of someone who needs to have a a reset. Uh, what are your thoughts for Kevin? 
I really like what Kevin's saying because so often the advice that we receive is that suddenly you've got to start doing a whole lot of courses and quick succession and that you've got to get back on the horse. But what they're actually doing, Kevin, and I think it's a brilliant thing, is that you're taking the time for the two of you right now. And that's the most important part of the relationship. And so sometimes when we reset, we're stripping away the clutter. We're getting rid of all of the things which are just the window dressing around our lives and actually coming back to the most important thing. One of the things that I think is beautiful about a really good relationship is the dream that when we are in our 60s, 70s, 80s, we will be comfortable being able to sit with each other and enjoy each other's company. And if you guys can actually start to do that now, I think you're setting yeah. a great pattern for the future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we've known that um, you know, our lives probably haven't been, uh, you know, you know financially it's been good so probably for years and that sort of stuff. But the thing is, I think it's more than that. It's it's taking time to be... Um, and I was thinking about, well, asking, what can I do for God? What can I do for God? And I was thinking, well, do I have to do anything? Can I just just uh, relax and just get to know him in, in, in my in the quietness of things and, and that? Does it have to be a hustle and bustle? It, it, it doesn't really. Kevin, good thoughts in all of that, especially when it comes to uh, we're always encouraging people to do things for God. And uh, there are going to be times when we do need to rest, when we do need to recuperate. And uh, when we are rested and we are recuperated and we do have some calling uh, to pursue those things that God is calling us to, then that's a time to move and a time to act. But uh, usually we're encouraging people to Find something to do for God. And that still might be the best advice when people are pursuing all sorts of entertaining things uh, and not serving God. But uh, just a quick thought from you here uh, for Kevin on uh, on the idea of slowing down or even saying, I'm not sure whether I need to do anything for God. Well, I'd like to come back to a verse that's out of Second Corinthians. And I think it's actually a picture that we would get even from Jesus. So often we think that you keep doing, but even Jesus pulled aside for those times of rest before he went back into more ministry. And this verse in Second Corinthians 4 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What I like about that is that, yes, we are busy. Yes, these bodies are getting older and grayer and everything else that goes with it. But if we allow God to renew our spirit, that's the thing that will last. Kevin from WA, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to contribute to our conversation, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about resetting when everything seems to have gone bad. Andrew, let me just ask you, uh, when we're talking about resetting, oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll hear from uh, Kevin and uh, there's a relationship in there that needs to be reset. For a lot of us, it's going to be what's happening at work. Now, whether we are the boss and we run our own business or whether we are the employee, we can have all sorts of challenges along the way in our workplace. And oftentimes the challenges are with other people, uh, rubbing us up the wrong way or not doing the things that we're expecting that they would do to in, in, in order for the business to run smoothly. What are your thoughts here for specifically business people and those who work in a business, in a small business, uh, or for a boss, could be anywhere in the public sector even, but uh, for people who have found a point where they really need a reset here. 
You know, one of the, the words that I think actually works for both the employee and for the employer or the business owner is the word trapped. And I think it's something that is very sad for many people that they feel trapped in either their employment because of the fact that they need to put bread and money on the table in order to look after their family. And even business owners, we may have the approach of thinking, well, the business owner's got it all together. He's the guy with all the money. And yet business owners can so often feel trapped in their business. They feel the responsibility of making sure that their employees are well taken care of. They feel the responsibility of generating more income. And yet they don't know where to turn. And just recently, I was talking to a couple of business owners who were in exactly that situation. Six months earlier, they had been facing a very serious financial dilemma and wondering how to cope with it. And sadly, a whole lot of factors had contributed to that being a fork in the road where, the, where it was either, uh, what do they say, sink or swim? Mm-hmm. And basically, they needed to take time out to assess what the future held. One of the sad things, I think, is that we leave resets too late, Neil. And what I'd really like to encourage people through the whole reset program is to recognize the signs early, even to voluntarily prepare to do a reset in preparation of it not having to uh, having to happen. And a good example is that sabbatical. You know, uh, the idea of a sabbatical is that you actually give yourself breathing space before you need breathing space. And so for a business owner, I would ask, do you twice a year actually set aside time in your calendar to disappear? to basically get your head out of the day-to-day in order to be able to reset on yourself and on your business to give yourself the preparation time for the future. And I can even remember working here at Vision that twice a year I was able to go away for a weekend and really look at all the things that I couldn't deal with, and some of them got scratched out as can't control that, can't fix that, but also it was time away from the desk to be able to say, but what do we want to do in the next 12 months? And as a business owner, as a manager, as somebody with that responsibility, that's what actually gets your passions going again. When you look to the future and can see the possibilities, then you can plan and chart a way forward. But you've got to give yourself that time. Good if you've got the freedom to do that when you are the boss, when you are the business owner. If you're the employee, it's not always so easy. But is this something that the boss needs to be looking at in the employee uh, to ensure that there is that freshness and that uh, expectation, that anticipation uh, for doing good things in their employee role? Yes, certainly it is. I I think there is actually a balance there that the employer needs to take responsibility for their people to ensure that they're in a healthy mindset as well as healthy work conditions. But also, there are statistics, particularly coming out of America, of the amount of people who do not take their holiday allocation. It is sadly staggering that we put off holidays and put them off and put them off and don't take them when we should. And when we take them, it's again out of either desperation or whoops, The school holidays have come again and I need to go and take them because I've got to take time off with the kids. But if we had prepared to take them, one, again, do we have that fresh journal ready to write the vision down of what we want to do? Two, are we building anticipation and excitement in our family in preparation for that holiday? And three, just in terms of what we're wanting to do with our own lives, have we started to maybe journal about the future so we're actually setting our heart on a direction for that time? Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.